You're listening to Straight Shooters, a straightforward golf podcast that'll straighten out your game. And here are your hosts, Keith Bennett and Henry Statina. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Straight Shooters Golf Podcast. My name is Keith Bennett, joined again, once again, by co-host Henry Statina. Henry, what's going on this morning? Not much, Keith. Just finishing up the week. By the time people hear this, I guess it'll be the start of a week, but um, it's been a good one. Lots of things are going on in our world. Um, I have a big weekend ahead of me for seminars, uh, but teaching and coaching, getting ready for the summer. Um, really looking forward to a few things coming up, but uh, more than anything, just excited to be on the call and, and chat with you again. What's going on in your yeah, world? Absolutely. Yeah, you know, kind of um, just settling back into a nice weekly routine of uh, in-person lessons and online lessons and, uh, you know, still getting settled down here in Scottsdale. Still getting settled into the new house. We've been here for about four months now, um, so it still feels like we're brand new in town, but also, you know, enough time to sort of sink our teeth into some things. And, yeah, I'm getting a nice flow going down here, you know, getting some more clients coming through the door, getting some more word of mouth that, you know, I'm doing lessons in town, I'm starting to line up some golf schools for the summer, which I'll be happy to, uh, you know, share with our, our listeners here as um, as those plans finalize. And hopefully I'll, I'll meet some of uh, some of our listeners at some of those schools, which I think will be a lot of fun. And uh, and yeah, so just just kind of looking forward to the future and and uh, obviously still still just rocking with with lessons here and enjoying the nice weather down in the desert. So uh, it's been good. But um, yeah, looking forward to con- just continuing conversation. We kind of we dropped the episode on breaking 100 last week and um, talking about the next phase of that journey, which would be somebody who's ready to break 90. And uh, this could be somebody who's kind of been battling that threshold as it is, or somebody who um, has gone back, you listen to our break 100 episode, they've kind of taken some tidbits, maybe they've gotten some lessons with us on Skillist or in person, they've broken that barrier. And now they've saved this episode, and they're coming back to it um, to figure out how to break 90. So um, yeah, when, when someone, I want to throw the ball over to you now, when someone, you know, we're talking about breaking 100 and now we're transitioning to breaking 90, obviously we're talking about your skills are probably a little sharper. You're hitting some more fairways. You're making some better decisions. You've got better control over your irons and, and your short game's a little bit sharper. Uh, but let's get into just kind of the nuts and bolts. We talked last time breaking a hundreds, you know, nine bogeys, nine doubles. Uh, let's talk about it from a very 30,000 foot perspective here, just on what we got to do to break 90. So I'll throw it over to you. Sure. Um, I think it's a good progression from last week. And uh, I really hope that we had a listener to, uh, you know, break Hunter for the first time. And then now they're ready to break 90. And we've seen some massive improvement in just a short period of time. But mm-hmm. in reality, that's going to take a lot longer and it's going to, um, you know, be a, a journey. And for these people looking to break 90, it's a very similar process, you know, like you said, stepping back, uh, maybe even outside of the golf course, um, sitting down, kind of jotting down some notes of of really analyzing what does it take to obtain this goal, to, to reach this this threshold of 90 and actually breaking it for the very first time or maybe on the regular. And for me personally, breaking 90 is, is probably the most enjoyable skill level for me to help players uh, achieve because it's bogey golf it's 18 yep. over par on a regulation golf course and we just need to start to 
uh, develop a strategy for actually making bogeys. Right. I think too many golfers get in this I get this idea in their head that they need to be making birdies or making pars. And in reality, those are the strategies that are causing them to make doubles and triples. Right. To break 90, we need to get the ball in play. We need to get it up around the green, ship it on and two putt, and we would have a bogey on every hole. Right. We need to avoid penalty strokes. We need to start to avoid or reduce three putts and wasted shots. But at the end of the day, we we don't need to hit driver. Uh, we don't need to try to go to the green in regulation. What we do need to do is keep the ball in play and give ourselves a chance at par with a good likelihood of making a bogey on every hole. Right. My guess is we'll pick up a couple of pars through an up and down. That should feel like a birdie. And that would right. offset a couple of double bogeys where maybe we flub a chip or we hit one, you know, off of a tree or some kind of a silly mistake. And those could offset and we still average a bogey on every hole shooting 90. So that's kind of right. my perspective. I think that's a fun way to help players improve. It starts off the golf course. Uh, what are your thoughts? How, how, how do we take that in a little bit closer? Yeah, I want to just kind of circle back on something you said about, um, you know, we don't need to hit driver. We don't need to get it on the green. I think we get caught up in, you know, the average golfer, um, these people trying to break 90, you know, non-professionals. Um, we get caught up in these stats like fairways and regulation and greens and regulation as if these metrics need to be hit in order to shoot certain scores. Now, at my home course, I'm looking around right now. I'm actually outside. There's almost no rough, right? It's it's, you know, overseeded fairways and dead Bermuda grass on the side, you know, on the rough. There is no real penalty for missing the fairway. And there's trees, yes, um, but they're pretty sporadically placed. So this would be a perfect situation where we talked about last time. We don't need to be in the fairway. We need to stop thinking about we need fairways and regulation and keeping that stat, right? We, we see so many folks keep greens, fairways, and putts, right, as if these are these – are, um, the end-all be-all stats that need to improve. But if I'm looking at a hole and I see that there's no real penalty for missing it in the rough other than being maybe on more of a side hill slope, we got to think, okay, can I hit it over into this section of the golf course, the hole, right, and then advance my next shot towards the green? And I don't even need to be on the green. Again, that green and regulation stat can be misleading. I just need to be in a situation where I have a pretty basic chip to maybe chip it to 20 feet or 15 feet and then two putt. So I watched this video um, with Scott Fawcett. We talk about Scott all the time. He created the decade system of course management that we always allude to that we prescribe to. Um, and he said that maybe the most important skill a golfer can have is lag putting. Right. And it really starts to hit home when you're talking about all of these things, because when we get up around the green, we feel this pressure to chip it to three feet or to chip it to, you know, to tap it. But we're talking about just finding ways to chip it to 20 feet and two putting. Now, if you can't two putt from 20 feet reliably, most of these goals of break 100, break 90 are actually never going to be attainable for you. So I like, I'm, I'm starting to realize we got to think about this backwards of, if this whole strategy is going to even work, let's, let's think about when we are on the green in three strokes, 
how are we going to get that ball down now in two strokes? Because that kind of bleeds into the rest of the strategy because I'm now putting, if I can't do that, I'm putting pressure on trying to get it on the green in, in regulation so that I can three putt and make my bogey. What do you think about that? I think you're absolutely right that we are prioritizing things that might sound good at surface level, but yep. aren't actually realistic for what we need to do to break these scoring barriers. For example, I just pulled up some stats, some basic stats on the PGA Tours website, which has a whole slew of them that a person can access at any time. And when I look at driving accuracy, that's the the frequency that a player puts the ball in the fairway. The right. tour average is 58%. Right. Now, a player shooting 90 is going to be significantly less than that. Yeah. In, in Maybe reality, 20%. Yeah, maybe 20%, right? right. And that's so, okay. We got We got people that understand that's okay. Yeah, if there's 14 fairways, maybe we're only going to hit two or three of them in a round of golf. And technically, that's okay. We should be able to still uh, shoot that scoring threshold of 90. That's all yes. we're really looking for. We don't need to hit a whole bunch of fairways. We don't need to get all bent out of shape when we miss the fairway. Right. When it comes to hitting the green in regulation, the PGA Tour average is 67%. Right. So a little bit more than the fairways in reg, meaning they hit the ball on the green from the rough as well. So again, that 90 player, like you said, maybe 25% of the time or so. So they're going to, again, hit only a few greens in regulation. Yep. That's not necessarily what we need to be striving for. What what we do need to do is hone in on that short game, you know, maybe yes. 50 yards and in to where we can hit the green. Yep. I bet if we can hit just, the green. Just from, hit it. Just hit just, it. Just hit the green from 50 yards, giving ourselves a chance at a par. And like you mentioned, 20 feet, 30 feet, 40 feet. You know, as long as we have a pot at it, the next goal is going to be to, to learn to two pot and distance control is going to be so important. Yes. And the more I hear you talk about that, the more I, you know, I think it's really important to have the strategy and understand what we're talking about, but then understand probably the underlying core components of what are even going to allow us to commit and work that strategy. So we're talking about if I can't lag putt and two putt consistently, the strategy will not work because then I'm going to make a triple and then I'm going to get behind the eight ball and then I'm going to feel the pressure and anxiety to now make a birdie to offset that, right? So that's where the compounding snowball effect of people's rounds get out of control because they don't have the skills that are going to make their plan work or they don't prioritize those. And therefore they get behind, they make a quick triple and all of a sudden emotion takes over and then the round gets away from them. Okay. So if we can't, to putt consistently, the strategy will not work. Now, what you just said about, okay, if I can get it within 50 yards of the green, I got to hit the green, right? That would assume that we can reliably align ourselves to a spot on the green and reliably place the ball within our stance in the same position every time because we swing on a hula hoop. And if the club's not contacting the ball in this, you know, relatively the same part on that hula hoop every time it's hard to be consistent okay so if we can't do these core things then the strategy will never work and you and i both know that 
the last thing people work on is lag putting and two putting and their alignment. But as we just broke down, if, if I can't do those things, the whole thing blows up. Is that, would that be fair to say? Yeah. You bring up an interesting point that, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to consistency in our shot making and having some foundational concepts are going to be super important. You, you, you referenced the hula hoop, the golf swing is on an arc, the club heads traveling in an arc. Ideally we yep. have the club face pretty square to the arc and that right. we can control the low point of the swing, brushing the grass, maybe central in our stance, um, the direction of the hula hoop is, is parallel to the target line, right? We're swinging towards the target. If a person yep. can do those things fairly well, they're going to be fairly consistent. Right. And, uh, it, it really boils down to those skills of, like you suggested two putting. I yep. see people drop a whole bunch of golf balls down and just kind of whack some putts towards a hole, walk over to it, whack a few more putts to another hole, talk to their buddy, BS, whatever. And, yep. um, in reality, what we should be doing is we, sh you know, I personally like two drills. You know, people are always asking, give me some drills. I have two putting drills that I really like that I use. The first yep. one is a chalk line, not the string line, not some contraption, a chalk line. Yep. I like to strap yep. a line down on the green and practice three, four, five, six footers. Yep. It is flat putt, flat putt straight up the hill. It is incredibly easy. Yep absolutely critical that we roll the ball online for short yes. putts. Yes. This drill helps with setup. It helps with uh, starting direction. It can help with speed control. It helps with visualization. It starts to paint that line on the ground in our mind's eye when we're on the golf course. It yep. boosts our confidence. It does everything. Yep. Chalk line is the best drill there is. The yep. second drill that I like is one ball putting. So you only get to use one golf ball and you putt to holes that are of different distances and lengths and curvatures and you name it. And you yep. simulate playing on the golf course. You go through yep. your entire routine and you putt out. Yes. You don't just slap the shorties around. You no go BS. through it. No BS, as, right? No BS. Like you have to actually practice two putting. Right. And, you know, that that simply comes from Dr. Bob Rotella. He has that audio tape called Putting Like a Genius, which I think is the best putting uh, concept and, and resource available. But it yep. really just boils down to a person being disciplined to doing those two things, you know, rolling the ball online for short ones and then having pretty good speed control with the long ones based on this one ball putting, which simulates playing on the golf course. Do you want to work one-on-one -on -one with either Henry or Keith? Well, you're in luck. Both Henry and Keith offer online lessons and monthly coaching subscriptions using the Skillist app. Online coaching allows you to learn at your own pace by digesting smaller chunks of information more frequently. Download Skillist, search for Henry or Keith, and get started today. And you know, those are so simple and two of the most underutilized drills and two of the drills that you'll see tour pros doing probably the most. I mean, I was fortunate enough to go to Pebble beach to go to the pro-am and, and, you know, you be know. behind the ropes and in the practice area. And obviously, so I could walk around the putting green and I could look at what the pros were doing. Right. They were 
laying chalk lines down. There were at least four or five chalk lines on, on all of, on the putting green, you know, different pros using different holes to do it. They would have a little ramp, right? They'd, they'd have a ramp that they'd roll a ball down, right? To find what putts are actually dead straight. And then they would lay a chalk line down on that line because it helps with alignment. It helps with seeing your putter face square at address. It helps seeing the arc of your putt. It helps seeing if you're pulling or pushing putts. And it's a huge confidence builder, right? And these are the best players on earth doing these, what seem like elementary drills, basic drills. But it's, it's, at the end of the day, it's, it's the basic stuff. It's the elementary stuff that people think is too simple when it comes to breaking 90 or breaking 100. And I think what, what I really want to press home from everybody out there uh, listening to this is like nobody practices putting enough. When you go to a range, you'll see 60 people on a driving range, 20 people on the putting green at the absolute most. That would be pretty dramatic, actually, to see 20 people on a putting green. But if you knew how to reverse engineer breaking 90 and you knew that like lag putting is probably at the top of the list for skills that you need to even like think about this, you'd probably be more motivated to dedicate more attention to your putting. And that's what we're trying to do with these podcasts about these barriers is let people know how to actually achieve these things because we throw these out like they're pie in the sky pipe dreams, but there's a real pretty basic way to start breaking these barriers Uh, And it starts close to the green. It always will and always has. But we place a lot of emphasis on driving, which I know is important. I'm not going to sit there and tell you distance and direction are not important. But if you can't two putt, this whole thing blows up. Yeah, I think that, you know, we definitely don't want to discredit the full swing and driving. That's definitely not what we're doing here. That's extremely important. And uh, the thing, though, is, is that, you know, the foundational concepts start near the hole and they work their way away from the hole they start with small swings and we can build the swings from from there and you mentioned you know around the greens and and whatnot thinking of it like a hula hoop on an inclined plane you know if we can learn to pitch the ball pretty nicely guess what we're going to improve our iron play and and if we can improve our iron play guess what we're going to improve our driving game as well because yes you know those those concepts and principles that are from waist high to waist high apply to all golf swings right and so even though we we're going to be allocating some more of our time to our short game in a sense we're also practicing the foundational skills for our full swing yep yep exactly and that's where a lot of people don't realize chipping pitching from 50 yards then all of a sudden your 100 yard wedge shot feels a lot easier and you're able to hit more greens then the 120, then the 160, and so on and so forth. It's just a progression of making a bigger motion, but catching the golf ball in the same part of the hula hoop, in the same part of the arc where the face is square to the target and the path is moving in the direction of the target and along the target line. It's all the same physics that are required to hit a ball 50 feet that are required to hit a ball, you know, 50, you know 500 feet. And we, you know, people don't realize that they think, oh, chipping is a whole other thing and, and irons is a whole different deal and driving is a whole different deal. And, uh, you know, one's not going to bleed into the other, right? That's just not true. Yeah. And, and we can get really nitpicky on it. And if we were thinking of, you know, maybe breaking par and, and becoming a tour professional, 
we could talk right. a little bit about those differences and and the subtleties of uh, of those things. But for the player breaking ninety, for most people listening to this podcast, what we really need to be doing is simplifying the game and recognizing that these concepts are pretty similar from uh, shot to shot and from club to club. Yep, exactly, exactly. Yeah, if you're talking about shooting sub seventy, you know, there's some nuances with controlling your spin, controlling your trajectory, being able to do, you know, kind of hit what we call specialty shots, right? Non-standard shots. But if we're talking about breaking 90, we're hitting just a lot of standard trajectory, standard distance golf shots that at the end of the day will absolutely get the job done. And, you know, there's stats out there um, as far as how many, how, how, what percentage of the golfing population actually breaks 90. And it's like, less than 5% of all golfers who ever play legitimately break 90. Um, so we're talking about, you know, some, a pretty remarkable achievement at the end of the day. We really are. It's a pretty remarkable achievement, but the way we're breaking it down, it should feel a little bit more tangible. It should feel a little bit more achievable to you. Hopefully after you've listened to this, um, that, you know, sort of where to even begin and how to work that work the plan backwards. Uh, and then obviously, as we get into the break 80s and the break 70s, we'll have some more nuance and some different topics to discuss um, about you know, various skills and, and decision making. But, you know, this at the end of the day is super achievable for a lot of the golfing population if they just start thinking about it uh, a little bit more productively. And I love what you said earlier about, you know, PGA Tour stats on the PGA Tour website. I can't tell you how revealing and how beneficial it has been for me in my own game to go on the PJ tour website and look at how the average golfer or even the last last rank, lowest ranked golfer performs in a lot of these statistics. And we oftentimes think that we're supposed to be outperforming the lowest ranked golfer on the PGA tour. And, you know, they're, they're still on the PGA tour folks. They're still the best players on earth and we <laughs> need to set our expectations accordingly. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I work with some pretty skilled players and sometimes they're, distracted by the top top tour players and we forget that the the player at the bottom is still on the pga tour and you have to make about a million dollars a year to retain right. your tour card so and i think a lot of people would take that <laughs> oh for sure yeah, yeah they would i would take it in a heartbeat so i right. think you bring up a great point i think that it, it really boils down to a person stepping away from the game writing out a game plan as to how they're going to go about making a bogey on each of the holes even yep. if that means leaving driver in the bag at times and maybe aiming away from the green to put themselves in a pretty safe place to where they can access it on their third shot. Yep. Uh, on that point, uh, you know, it, it's also important for players to uh, play their shot. If they hit a 25 yep. yard slice, you need to aim 25 yards down the left side and make sure that the the, the, the curve is being accounted for in your strategy yep. so that it lands closer to the fairway and, and finishes in play. Yep. I, I couldn't agree more. We talked a little bit about approach shot statistics and, and, and fairways statistics. I mean, you know, really reducing those things down to only one or two or three around would be a good, good goal. And that yep. the practice that we put in and the priority that we put in is going to come from inside of 50 yards. We need to be able to yep. put the ball on the green. We need to be able to two-putt the majority of the time. Three putts are fine. Yep. I would say a couple of those in a round is totally fine. A tour player yes. is going to 
three putt every other round. So it's not like we're right. going to reduce those to nothing. We still are going to have a, a two or three three putts around. That's fine. But, um, you know, this game plan is going to make a big difference in how a person goes about playing the game. And they're going to have a lot more enjoyment and they're going to shoot better scores as a result. Yep. And I think thinking about practice, right, because most people only, you know, have time to practice for an hour more than they have time to play um, several times a week. It should really hammer home the importance of working on your alignment, working on your ball position, working on your grip, working on your stance width, distance from the ball, setting the club on the ground correctly. It should really hammer home how important all of those fundamentals are. You know, golf is a very precise game. We need to catch the golf ball on the club face in relatively the same position on the arc when we swing the club to make the ball do something similarly from swing to swing. And if the ball position moves around, if our stance width, if our grip, if our distance from the ball, if all of these things are constantly changing, having any semblance of consistency will not be achievable ever. And that's why you see the best players on earth. Like I said, when I was at, at Pebble Beach Pro-Am, every single golfer on that, on that range had alignment sticks on the ground. They had uh, you know, alignment sticks stuck vertically in the ground on their target line. They were working on either starting the ball left of it, starting the ball right of it, just basic, basic things that they know are so vitally important that I think um, this, the golfer trying to break 90 still hasn't quite grasped the importance of these concepts, but really should be starting to think about how, how important they really are. We've just listed out some really important topics from setup to putting drills that a person can implement in their game as quickly as today. It's yep. just going to boil down to them actually doing it. So um, I think this is a great time for us to wrap it up. I think we've been able to lay down some really good foundational concepts um, and some action steps that a person might take in order to actually implement and, and, and develop the game to break 90 or break others scoring barriers and um, I look forward to our chat next week I think breaking 80 is when we're going to get a little bit more down into the nitty-gritty as to really how does a player do that and I'm looking sure. forward to it I help players break break 80 all the time to pass the play and ability test for the PGA of America and yep. um, it should be a fantastic chat next week yeah just a reminder to everybody you know this is a you know half hour talk um, kind of tip of the iceberg type stuff if you want individual coaching on, you know, how to practice the most effectively, like in precise detail, or what about your golf swing um, is causing the ball not to stay within a dispersion pattern that is um, the size needed to break some of these scoring barriers, right? That's what Henry and I specialize uh, in on in-person and online lessons. You know, um, we're very good at this. This is what we do. This is, this is where we thrive. So, you know, we need to be, uh, you know, if you really want to make these things happen, we're available to all of you guys um, in person and online. So just always keep that in mind. Great, Keith. It's been uh, another great chat. I'm glad you're doing well. I hope you have a great weekend and a week ahead. And I look forward to chatting with you again next week. All right, Henry, you too, man. Be well, and we'll chat soon. Take care, buddy.